Support the quality programming you hear on KPFK. Just call 877-KPFK-AUTO. That's 877-KPFK-AUTO. Or donate online at kpfk.org. You're listening to KPFK 90.7 FM, Los Angeles. The time now is 6 p.m. KBFK Rebel Alliance News, Los Angeles. Tina Turner, music icon, unstoppable with a comeback story unlike no other, from leaving harsh farm living and Jim Crow South and surviving an abusive work marital relationship to becoming a legend with over seven decades as a powerful singer entertainer died today in her home near Zurich, Switzerland. Tina Turner was 83 years old. Simply the best. Good evening. I'm Angela Birdsong. Here are today's headlines. Reignite freedom in the global walkout. Neo-Nazi group based in Ukraine stopped by Russian military. Range Projects Gallery A-Wall Exhibit meet the artist Joan Roby. News highlights from outside the NATO-controlled media sphere. Commentary with Pedro Baez and the community calendar. All this and more coming up. Today, representatives of Code Pink, including organizer Olivia DiNucci and Code Pink co-founder Media Benjamin, take a giant blank check made out to the Pentagon to the Congressional Office of House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. McCarthy famously said when running for speaker that Republicans will not write a blank check for Ukraine if they win back the House majority and that he would consider a $75 billion cut in the Pentagon budget. The Pentagon's $842 billion budget request for the 2024 fiscal year, close to a trillion dollars, is the highest since World War II. McCarthy is supporting a massive increase, states Code Pink. Danucci further explains in Code Pink press release, quote, when McCarthy was desperate for votes for the speakership, he promised the Freedom Caucus he would not issue a blank check for military spending. And yet that is exactly what he is doing, despite our $31 trillion deficit and his chest pounding about not raising the debt ceiling. She continues, quote, McCarthy wants to balance the budget on the backs of the poor and middle class with cuts to Medicare and Social Security while military contractors reap benefits of a seemingly endless war in Ukraine, nuclear rearmament and new weapons systems. This is wrong and blatant hypocrisy. End of quote. Danucci was recently arrested during a congressional hearing with Secretary of State Antony Blinken and Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin for holding a sign saying, money for the poor, not for war. 
Supporters of Code Pink and the Peace in Ukraine Coalition will personally deliver two full-page newspaper ads calling for a ceasefire in Ukraine to dozens of lawmakers' offices in over 65 congressional home districts. Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, California was able to extend CalFresh eligibility to students eligible for work-study and students with an expected family contribution of $0 for financial aid. Los Angeles County Department of Public Social Services announces the COVID-19 State of California's temporary students' eligibility exemptions are ending on Wednesday, May 31st. Current college students that are already receiving CalFresh benefits would have to meet a permanent student exemption during their next renewal to maintain their CalFresh eligibility starting July 2023 and on. To find all the most up-to-date announcements regarding CalFresh, go to dpss.lacounty.gov. The Global Walkout is a movement of individual empowerment by being a part of something global. Its mission statement talks about building, quote, enough momentum to create roadblocks in the globalist agenda. When millions of people worldwide act in unison, we will become an effective force that cannot be ignored. With enough members, the global walkout family can start to engage in significant actions that would encourage corporations and governments to take notice and consider our perspective. If our actions can directly affect the the back pockets of the globalists, they might have no choice but to listen, end quote. The global happening on Saturday, May 20th was called We Are Ready, and organizers around the world were encouraged to focus on issues of their choice. The World Health Organization in Geneva, Switzerland, has proposed a global accord on future pandemic prevention, preparedness, and response based on what they have vaguely defined as not repeating, quote, mistakes of the COVID-19 response, including life-saving vaccines, provisions of information, and development of local capacities, end quote. There isn't agreement on what global accord means, and millions of people worldwide are calling to exit the WHO. This, along with opposing the implementation of digital currencies called central bank digital currencies, as well as creating coalitions for solutions, were the priorities at the Santa Monica event. Now is the time that is the most important. If you see what the WHO is doing, this is a spiritual battle. And it doesn't matter whether or not you're Republican or Democrat. It doesn't matter whether you're a Christian or something else. The reality is this is a spiritual battle. Yesterday was uh, Malcolm X's birthday, and Malcolm X was one of the most amazing men, along with Martin Luther King Jr., and he's often very maligned because he was involved with the Nation of Islam. But he was also, he also had a spiritual awakening, and he allowed the what he learned in uh in Nation of Islam, he allowed that to be a stair step into his own spiritual awakening. And he talked about gathering with allies that look like look like him. And so that was really helpful at that time. 
the point of what I'm saying is we are all allies and we may not look like each other. We usually don't. We may not agree with each other. We may have different religious practices and political leanings. We may have a lot of different um, orientations. But the bottom line is that there is only one race and that is the human race. And that we come together united in consciousness to stand for freedom, for love, for peace, for truth. And it comes through us and as us. And so Fred Rogers said, we live in a world in which we need to share responsibility. It is easy to say it's not my child, not my community, not my world, not my problem. Then there are those who see the need and respond. I consider these people my heroes. I have an allergy to the globalist. I have an allergy to the war and healthy organization. And I have an allergy to the CBDC digital trap. And I know all of you have the same allergy. This is an event that is part of over 200 events all over the world. In these events, create some sort of communication group. It can be telegram or signal. It is up to you, but the point is stay connected. A big group meeting and then going home accomplish little. But if most of them stay connected, who knows the power that could come from that? It is about attitude. The message today, the message we are ready, this is the initiative today all over the world, is very powerful because it dissipates fear. Give us the feeling that we are ready for whatever is to come. If you can attempt to create that feeling at the event, people will leave feeling empowered. And I'm gonna leave you with one last happy note. And that is the military tribunals that occurred after the World War II. Those military tribunals, there were 13 of them. They occurred where? Everybody knows where. Where in Germany? Nuremberg. They occurred in Nuremberg. Did you guys know that there were four countries that brought judges to the Nuremberg trials, United States, Great Britain, France, and Soviet Union. Soviet Union got stabbed in the back by the Nazis and they joined us in the war and that's one of the reasons we won. They brought their four different countries to the table to have military tribunals. And because of those military tribunals, something amazing happened. For the first time in history, we decided that we would try people for crimes against humanity. And we will do it again. My name is Michelle Ford, and I'm the founder of the Vaccine Injury Awareness League. Today we're talking about the World Health Organization. They get an epic failure, an epic failure, capital F. But here's the point about the World Health Organization that I really want to drive home today, okay? I used to think that the world was like the earth. Now, in the beginning, I think it was that. I think it was synonymous with the earth. The world is not the earth, okay? So the World Health Organization is a corporation that has an address and approximately 150 locations around the world, but I wanna tell you who they really are. The World Health Organization is nothing more than a fear-mongering machine. 
okay? They are not the earth. They are not the whole universe. They are the world. Now, I want to make this distinction because this is a really important point, all right? If we realize that they are nothing more than a corporation, then really they have absolutely no power. Why? Because fictional dead entities have no authority over the living without our consent. Right? They're going to fear monger our friends and neighbors and those less awake than us into thinking not only is it the world, okay, but that you're not going to be able to buy anything, sell anything, travel, get educated, start a business, do your art, breathe without their product, okay? So the fact of the matter is the World Health Organization is a group of micro tyrants using their media talking heads to enslave the minds of people. My point is they are a company with an address pushing a message that doesn't belong to you or anybody that you know. That's all. Simple. Kick them to the curb. Put them in the box where they belong. You know that very famous saying, never underestimate the power of a small group of determined people to change the world because they will. And why is that? It's because of consciousness. Consciousness, first and foremost, is the, is the secret sauce to having a transformation. For more information of ongoing events and how you can get involved, globalwalkout.com and reignitefreedom.com are two websites you can check out. This is Dan Nowman, Rebel Alliance News on KPFK. Yes, thanks, Dan Nauman. With events happening all around the world last Saturday, he gave us a great report on what is Reignite Freedom and the Global Walkout. KBFK Rebel Alliance News, Los Angeles. Through the lens of art, Range Projects Gallery on Slauson Avenue in Los Angeles, current art exhibition engages you with this mixed media of music spoken word that was introduced to us last week by author, singer-writer Mary Crescenzo. And of course, the carefully purposeful placement of the three-dimensional art of Joan Roby. Described in the press release by KFWB Consulting, this art is done in the vein of the Japanese concept of wabi-sabi, which finds beauty in the worn and impairment and celebrates transience and imperfection. Let's meet the artists behind this body of work. Introduce yourself, tell us about this exhibit and what's inspiring you for this specific exhibit. Sure, hi, my name is Joan Roby. Um, the name of the show is AWOL, and the work is about my observation of my mother who had Alzheimer's for about 20 years. 
Um, it was a body of work that I decided to do just because I needed to filter the anguish <laughs> through my own person and figure out a place that I could turn it into something creative and positive um, instead of the pain that was in. So my intent to begin with was never really to exhibit it, but just to do it. But as I observe people viewing the work, I realized what a connection it was allowing people to have with talking about the illness and how difficult that is. And evidenced by this evening that we had a lovely turnout and so many people have gone through the experience and faced similar moments with it, with their loved ones. And um, it's something we need to talk about, you know. And so the purpose of, of this particular exhibit is to bring awareness to, to this brain disorder, to this brain disease. Yes, part of the purpose is to exhibit my artwork. <laughs> so let us not forget that. Um, but in conjunction with that, we had music and performance here this evening um, that all tied into that, that topic, and then we had a representative here from the Alzheimer's Association who answered questions and kind of brought people up to date in a very quick way. So it became a very three-dimensional experience of the, the art and um, the other art forms and the science of it, I suppose, yeah. Tell us about some of your pieces here, so, some of the pieces that, that stand out to you more maybe than other pieces. But I know it's all your babies. It's all my babies, yeah, really. Uh, well, I'll, I'll point to this one on this back wall first because it was the first piece that I made in the whole series. Um, and it's, it basically started with my... Okay, so I have a studio that's filled with found materials, and that's what I use to create the sculpture from. Um, when I saw that broken chair, I thought, oh, that's it. That is the perfect representation of myself or my mother sitting there watching life and language float away um, from her. And um, so I... You know, the positioning of all those of each of those materials is important because the nuance of how it's set on the wall says a certain kind of thing. Um, so in an almost sort of lyrical way, it expresses for me a lot of sadness and loss. And so, and that is that a picture of your mother? And that's a picture of my mother. And it's, and, it's and a much younger age. And, and it's very faded, yes. Right. And intentionally so. Intentionally so, yes. Right. 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 Because right. With, the, with Alzheimer's, the memories fade. So that's why you have the fading picture and the right. pictures falling down. Because, just falling because down. everybody who's listening to us, they, they don't get to see what, what we're looking right. at right now. Yes. And of course, for you to look at this, you need to come to Range Projects Gallery. And the exhibit is running from uh, May 13 uh, until June 3rd. And June 3rd is the closing. And also that evening will be a repeat of the performance and music aspect of it. So it's from 6 to 9, and the performance is from 7 to 8. Okay. Will there be someone from the Alzheimer's organization again? To uh, I think someone from the Southern, Southern California chapter of Alzheimer's, which is a different organization, but same. Now, what do you want 
people to do when they when they come in here? Which way do you want them to follow? Because I see you have words on the wall um, explaining right. the AWOL story. Is there a certain groove or rhythm that you want them to mm-hmm. to be exposed to when they come in? Right. So I, I, I printed a catalog. After I finished the body of work, I printed a catalog where I had photos. I have photos of some of the pieces and parts of some of the pieces um, but also I wrote quite a bit of uh, a narrative about it so it begins with, with the story of AWOL which I had reprinted and it's hung on the wall so that would be the place for people to start um, is to read the, the story and then I excerpt different uh, passages from the catalog and attach it to the wall. So they're with each piece. They don't necessarily tell you exactly what's going on in each piece, but they give you a, a reference. And this this piece on the back wall under the definition of a wall would be the first piece in the series. And I think if you just followed it around, there's a descriptive list in the front and it kind of gives you the numbers and you can follow it that way and tells you what the materials are in each one of the pieces. Okay, excellent, excellent. Now I see this anchor. Yes. So that must be something that's heavy, right? Yes. That's weighing you down. I'm not an artist. (laughs) (laughs) But but explain explain that one um, to me, please. So so there's an anchor on the floor with a heavy chain going up to a very light and decayed screen that's hanging on the wall. So um, is was the screen attached to the chain and it's floating away? Um, or is the anchor, hold the, the, the item in place that's holding the body to the earth? So it is, I, I guess, about departure. And maybe the, the anchor is the body, so the body stays, but the mind goes. And the screen being sort of broken up and rusted, it's how fragile thy are, you know? Right, <laughs> right. yeah, right. yeah. Beautiful, right. beautiful. How do people find you? Uh, of course, we know you're going to be here at Range Projects Gallery until June 3rd. Right. But outside of that, where, where, how, do we, how do we follow you? Instagram, Joan Roby Artist. Um, Facebook page, Joan Roby Artist. Um, this particular work has a website, uh, com, And then I have another website, joanroby.com. Okay. Thank you so much for your time today. Yes, you're welcome. Thank you. I appreciate that. Okay. Angela Birdsong reporting for More Than a Sparrow Productions, KPFK News. Projects Gallery, 3718 West Lawson Avenue in Los Angeles. The AWOL exhibit runs until June 3rd with a multimedia closing reception Saturday, June 3rd, 6 to 9, featuring a musical performance, Memory of the Muse, with an original song written for Joan's mother, accompanied by two spoken word pieces at 7 p.m. Call 323-528-6839 for details and find Range Projects Gallery on Instagram. KBFK Rebel Alliance News, Los Angeles. What is domestic violence? Hitting, slapping, punching, kicking, pushing, 
biting, using weapons, forced sexual activity, putting down, name calling, yelling, playing mind games, controlling of all your finances, threatening to harm their children, family members, or pets, or call authorities, stalking. If you have experienced any of the above forms of abuse caused in an intimate partner relationship, you may be a victim of domestic violence. Services are available to help you end the abuse in your life and the lives of your family. If you need help right away or are experiencing domestic violence, call one of the following hotlines. Los Angeles County Domestic Violence Hotline 1-800-978-3600 National Domestic Violence Hotline 1-800-799-7233 They are both operational 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. I want to, I want to tell you something. You know what? You're the best.
That was the best with Tina Turner live in Barcelona, Spain in 1990. The song was originally written for Bonnie Tyler, but was only a minor hit for the Welsh singer in 1988. The following year, Tina added some extra vocal force and a new soft rock production, and it became one of her signature songs and one of the decade's defining anthems. Tina Turner, during her musical career, won eight Grammys from 25 nominations. She has also received three Grammy Hall of Fame awards and a Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award, giving her a total of 12 Grammys. Rest in peace, Paradise Music and Power, Ms. Turner. The Apple weather forecast for this weekend in North Hollywood at KPFK 90.7 FM shows low 70s. At our sister stations in Southern California, mid-60s in San Diego and Santa Barbara, with mid to high 80s in Ridgecrest, China Lake. Now, Ridgecrest, China Lake, that's my kind of weather there. If you or anyone you know is experiencing intimate partner violence, contact the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233 or visit thehotline.org. Now for our international reports. A raid into Russian territory by a neo-Nazi group based in Ukraine was stopped by the Russian military. Among the captured personnel and equipment were neo-Nazis from around the world, including Russia, and some military equipment recently sent to, U- to Ukraine by the Biden administration. Don DeBar has more. We have made very clear to the Ukrainians that we don't enable or encourage attacks outside Ukrainians' borders. That was State Department spokesperson Matthew Miller at a press conference Monday. He was asked about a raid by a group of Ukrainian saboteurs into Russian territory in the Belgorod region. One civilian was killed and 13 wounded in the attack. Moscow said more than 70 of the invading group were killed. This was Igor Konashenkov, a spokesperson for the Russian Ministry of Defense, on Tuesday. The Kiev regime, having suffered a defeat in the city of Artemovsk, has switched to the implementation of terrorist tactics against civilians. On May 22nd, a unit of Ukrainian nationalists invaded the territory of the Russian Federation. During a counterterrorism operation, the nationalist formations were thwarted and defeated. More than 70 Ukrainian terrorists, four armored combat vehicles, and five pickup trucks were destroyed. According to reports in Russian media Tuesday, Moscow believes that the U.S. provided intelligence for the raid. At Monday's State Department press conference, The spokesperson, Matthew Miller, made these comments. I do think it's important to take a step back and remind everyone and remind the world that, of course, it is Russia that launched this war. It's Russia that continues to launch attacks on civilians in Ukraine. It's Russia that's targeted schools and hospitals and civilian infrastructure. So it is up to Ukraine to decide how they want to conduct their military operations. For more on that, we go to Moscow to speak with analyst Mark Sloboda. We spoke with him via Skype on Tuesday. Okay, Don. So, I, I mean, first of all, I have to say that actually a number of this of the participants in this raid and the raid occurred out of the Kharkov region in, in Ukraine into Belgorod, into a thinly populated uh, a- area of 
the the north border of Ukraine there, the northeast border, um, where you know there's not much on the other side. A few small hamlets. We're talking like seven, eight houses. You know, populated mostly by pensioners. Yep. Uh, it, there's really nothing of any import on the other side there. First of all, I got to say, actually, at least some of the participants of this raid were Russians or, uh, you know, at one time Russian citizens. Uh, so yeah. here's the thing. Um, if, if you've been engaged with talking about the nature of the Kiev regime and its, uh, forces, uh, its its practices and power, its ideology for the last few years, you know, whether in debates with your friends online, social media, whatever, you know, you you you, you talk about state armed and funded neo-Nazi Banderite fascist battalions by the score. You talk about the regime has declared uh, World War II era Nazi collaborators and Holocaust perpetrators as its national heroes right. because they killed Russians too, right? right. I mean, and leftists. Um, and, you know, because that makes it okay. Um, you know, whitewashes everything else away that they've got national holidays they bring them into the schools they're putting up uh monuments and statues and renaming streets in their honor all the state glorification and 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 you know the response you'll more or less get is every country has neo-nazis uh russia has them too and <laughs> you're like did did you miss the point about the state support the arming the funding the right. state glorification did you miss all that right well you know here's here's your answer to this because actually they've got a point russia has its neo-nazis too they do and how do we know because like so many of neo-nazis across europe and from the u.s right. they've flocked to gone to fight for the Kiev regime. That's right. And they're fighting for it, right? And that is who conducted this raid and has conducted a smaller previous raid. This is the quote unquote, got a nice innocuous name, Russia Volunteer Corps, right? Okay, so uh, who, who are the Russian Volunteer Corps? Well, let's take a look at their leader. Right. And this is open information. Right. It's actually been talked about in the Western press. The guy's name is Denise Nikitin. Right. And um, without even me saying anything about him, let's see what the Telegraph, the British paper of record, has to say. Russian neo-Nazi hooligan who led anti-Putin militia across border. Let's let's check Medusa, the Western funded info warfare outlet targeting Russia, the Russia Volunteer Corps and its neo-Nazi leader um, fight for the white race. How the Russian neo-Nazi Denise Nikitin promotes his idea and in Ukraine uh, and his involvement with the Azov regiment. Right. So. You don't even have to go to, to Russian media to see this. They may not be talking about it now, but they've talked about it previously, even if they try to brush it under the carpet now. And and all that, oh, there are no Russians in Ukraine. It's all – there are Russian neo-Nazis in Ukraine, and they're fighting for this regime. 
because Putin, they've Russian ultra nationalists, ethnic nationalists, far right. They've always hated Putin for uh, promoting, you know, uh, a Russia as a solid multi ethnic, multi confessional federation. Right. Um, so, I mean, and this guy. Denise Nikitin, he's a piece of work. He's actually a, a neo, an international neo-Nazi celebrity. He's got his own neo-Nazi clothing brand. Ooh. Look it up, White Rex. Right? Oh, come on. The website. No, seriously, it sells all over. Sells like hotcakes in Kiev. I mean, it's big money, high fashion in Kiev. Has been, uh, um, you know, not surprisingly, actually, you know, since 2014. Uh, and he's made his home there. And um, the Russia Volunteer course uh, course consists of um, a few hundred, a couple hundred. Um, Russian neo-Nazis who are uh, uh, mostly Russian, some Belarusians, a few Ukrainians who have, you know, fight for the Kiev regime. And, and I mean, they, these guys are pieces of work. You know, uh, here's another one who was caught there. 30 year old Alexei Levkin. Right. He is was the leader of the Russian neo-Nazi black death metal band Moloth. Right. Nice. It's, right. But. Moloth, the O's are replaced with eights, eight eight, you know, neo Nazi code for, for Heil Hitler. And the name of the band stands for Hitler's Hammer, right? Oh, uh, this guy fought for Azov. Um, he co founded the neo Nazi structure Woten Jugend as a mini university for supporters of right wing ideology, proclaiming heroes of uh, ultra right terrorists such as Timothy McVeigh and Anders Breivik, right, from Sweden. Uh, open glorification of Hitler, right? Um, and uh, at the end of each song of Hitler's Hammer, people in the hall zig and shout zig heil. I mean, this is this oh, is brother. they're not even like subtle. That's not uh, subtle glorification of neon uh, West Ukrainian Nazi collaborators. No, these guys are 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 like uh, you know uh, the, they're like death metal neo Nazi modern nutters, and and that's who did this. They jumped across the border uh, to a few small hamlets populated mostly by pensioners and shot them up. Uh, the Russian forces uh, where their fortifications they actually have extensive fortifications there but there are a couple kilometers back from the border that right. you know was a defensible position to put the trenches and the fortifications right right uh so they eventually uh responded and assembled and i consider it an intelligence failure that they just didn't know that this was going to happen anyway and they they brought in some helicopters and they ran and everything and they scattered and uh there's you know they're hunting the last of them down now they <laughs> declared a belgorod neo-nazi public for a few hours uh, and it, it distracted attention away from the humiliation of Bakhmut, which was a big part of, of what was going on and a diversion, the hope that Russia might allocate more resources to swatting these neo-Nazi, you know, uh, scum, uh, rather, you know, where they could be used for an actual offensive uh, somewhere more important. But most importantly, the vehicles they were driving were U.S. MRAPs, right? Max Pro. These are armored fighting vehicles that the U.S. has just provided to the Kiev regime for their great Ballyhood offensive. And 
we have been told by Joe Biden, he promised us, right, as, as he promised so many things, uh, that um, uh, they would that Zelensky had promised him that uh, U.S. weapons wouldn't be used to attack inside Russia. Well, here, not only have they been used to attack inside Russia, they handed them off to a bunch of neo Nazis, right. like like the most of the most flagrant, ridiculous sort, right? To yep. to uh, you know. Uh, what was basically an act of political terror historically uh, was the Kaminsky. It was Russian nationals, uh, as like led by this guy. Pretty much the same thing that I describe here. They said it's during World War II. Um, they were absorbed into Waffen SS in June of 1944, um, and they ended up being assigned to put down. Uh, the Warsaw Uprising. So the people who are invoking that particular history right now, uh, their uh, heroes of of the past, uh, put down the Warsaw Uprising, among other things. Yeah, this is this is the type of people that they're trying to. They're they're directly invoking this right and uh, romanticizing it as as the type of Russians that they want to be and the type of Russia that if this handful of nutters actually had power, you know, this is what they would do. Yep, Mark, thank you very much, and uh, I'll speak with you again next week and whatever happens between now and then. God help us. God help us. For KPFK, I'm Don DeBar. Here is today's international news from sources outside of the NATO-controlled media sphere with Polina Vasiliev. For KPFK, a Rebel Alliance News, here are today's international highlights from sources outside of the NATO-controlled media sphere. We want decision! No extradition! Free Assange! Australian protesters have taken to the streets in Sydney to demonstrate against extradition to the U.S. by the British government of WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange. That was intended to coincide with the cancelled visit of the U.S. president to Australia. Leading the protest rally on Wednesday, the wife of the jailed whistleblower demanded his release from incarceration in the UK and called on Aussie Prime Minister Anthony Albanese to bring her husband back to his native Australia. President Biden, would it really, do you really want this to be uh, your legacy? This is a Trump administration prosecution that criminalizes journalism. You have an innocent man in prison for the past almost five years now and uh, he needs to be free because the world needs press freedom and the u.s has to practice what it preaches that was stella assange the wife of julian assange julian's brother gabriel shipton also spoke at the rally julian and julian's freedom has uh, complete support uh, bipartisan support in the australian parliament uh, a recent poll in the in the age in the smh showed 79 percent of australians agreed with the statement that Joe Biden should drop the charges uh, against Julian. So really feeling um, the momentum uh, uh, around the support in Australia. Take it from me, you know, look at every uh, human rights NGO, every press freedom NGO in the United States, over 25 of the largest ones, Amnesty International, Human Rights Watch, ACLU, all calling on the Biden administration to drop this because of what it means to press freedom in the United States. 
Meanwhile, Assange's lawyers have begun their appeal at Britain's Supreme Court against its order to extradite him to the United States. The December 10 decision by London's High Court overturned an earlier ruling by the British magistrate that it was cruel to extradite the 50-year-old Australian man to the U.S. justice system because of his mental health and the risk of committing suicide. The U.S. seeks to bring Assange to trial for WikiLeaks' 2010 release of classified military documents related to the country's war crimes and other atrocities committed by American forces in Afghanistan and Iraq. The U.S. government has charged Assange with 18 counts related to the release of 500,000 classified files about the conflicts. He could face up to 175 years in prison in the United States, although the exact sentence is difficult to estimate. Strikes continue to take place across Europe, but in France, there is increasing talk of launching a second general strike in less than four years. The main bone of contention is the forcing through of a two-year increase to the retirement age by presidential decree. Raman Mazahari has the details. Across France, top unions led another day of strikes aimed at winning the revocation of a recent two-year hike to the retirement age. With President Emmanuel Macron refusing to budge, many are now demanding the movement expand into a complete general strike. We must have a general strike to create a new system of society, as our current model allows the government and the bosses to totally ignore our needs. Everybody must get involved because everybody is affected. Many speculate that Macron is so isolated from everyday French society that he may not understand how resentful the public mood is following one austerity measure after another since 2010. Macron doesn't listen to us, but what's worse is that he looks down on us. He still doesn't care about all the protesting, so that's why our goal has to be to block the entire economy with a general strike. That will get his attention. The general strike of 2019-2020 was the nation's longest labor action ever, but it ultimately failed. The strike shaved only 0.1% off of French economic growth that quarter, showing that a general strike's most powerful aspect may be its ability to shame and discredit those in power. The biggest economic impact of striking is felt by the workers. The pre-COVID general strike failed because so many workers were just too impoverished to continue a strike that had lasted almost two months. The government did all it could to stretch the general strike out, as their plan was to exhaust the strikers financially. They're using the same tactic now, and that's why we saw more than four months of massive protests before they even met with unions to discuss the age hike. This spring has seen record strikes in other European nations, such as Belgium, Germany, Spain, and even the United Kingdom. Low salaries, record inflation, and perceptions that their governments refuse to democratically recognize the scope of the hardship are all consistently cited as reasons. Cuba celebrates 60 years of its international medical collaboration. Telesaurus Gladys Quesada has more. 
On Tuesday, the Cuban Medical Mission celebrates its 60th anniversary, an initiative of Commander Fidel Castro that materialized and has contributed to the health of millions of citizens around the world in the 165 countries that have benefited from it. The first brigade of doctors went to Algeria and Chile in 1963. Cuba, a small Caribbean island suffering from the longest blockade ever imposed, offered free international medical assistance to poor countries in the Latin America region and Africa. Also, the Henry Reef International Contingent of doctors specialized in disaster situations and serious epidemics created by the Commander-in-Chief Fidel Castro Ruz in September 2005 to help the U.S. victims of Hurricane Katrina has been present with 28 brigades in 22 countries, assisting the victims of floods, hurricanes, earthquakes, as well as epidemics and Ebola outbreaks in West Africa. During the COVID-19 epidemic, Cuba sent medical brigades to Antigua and Barbuda, Andorra, Angola, Barbados, Belize, Cape Verde, Dominica, Grenada, Haiti, Honduras, Italy, Jamaica, Mexico, Nicaragua, Qatar, St. Kitts and Nevis, St. Lucia, St. Vincent and the Grenadines, Suriname, South Africa, Togo and Venezuela. It is worth remembering that Cuba, despite its own scarcities and attacks of hostile governments, has never stopped providing medical assistance to those in need. Families of the Shia people who have gone missing in Pakistan have criticized the government for what they call a new surge of forced disappearances in the country. They also demanded justice for their disappeared relatives. Press TV correspondent Mohammed Tori reports from Karachi. Rights groups and families of missing Shia persons gathered for a press conference in Karachi to express their deep concerns about the recent increase in enforced disappearances and the government's failure to recover their missing family members. In the past two months alone, around 20 individuals have been disappeared by law enforcement agencies in this neighborhood of Karachi. Victims' families are outraged over Shahbaz administration's inaction towards what they call the state's kidnappings. Their only request from the government is to prosecute the cases of their loved ones in the court of law. These incidents come amid an ongoing witch hunt targeting members of Pakistan Justice Party. Over 10,000 party members have been arrested under politically motivated charges as claimed by former Premier Imran Khan. The recent arrest of PTI's Firdaus Shamim Nakhvi, a cancer patient charged under terrorism laws, has raised serious doubts about the credibility of these cases. This new wave of pre-dawn raids started before and during Ramadan, but after that it stopped. And recently, in the last 10 days, seven people of our community have been once again picked up without any court warrants. Most of them were students. Their families were told that their loved ones are arrested in theft cases. What law permits these law enforcement agencies to do this? My brother was disappeared by these law enforcement agencies on May 18th, Thursday, at half past 3 a.m. in the morning. They were heavily armed, kicked our door, broke it, and without any court order, dragged my brother out. They snatched his phone and his ID card. They did not tell us any reason why they were arresting him. The first reported case of enforced disappearances after 9-11 was Dr. Afia, who was abducted from Karachi along with her three children in 2003. Various ethnic groups, including Baloch, Pashtuns, Urdu speakers and others, have been subjected to these illegal tactics. They broke into our house early morning and turned everything upside down. 
no regard for elderly, no respect for my sick mother. My brother was dragged out of the house without warrants from the court. Total violation of human rights and country's law. Press TV's attempts to reach out to local Sindh police official Hassan Sardar Niazi have so far gone unanswered. Rights groups have repeatedly stated that no one has ever been held accountable for an enforced disappearances in Pakistan. This chronic human rights violation has seen over 7,000 complaints of enforced disappearances since 2011 across the country, with the actual number being much higher than the official figure. And that's all in today's international highlights from non-NATO media. For KPFK, I'm Paulina Vasiliev. KPFK, Rebel Alliance News, Los Angeles. Here is a commentary with Pedro Baez commemorating the life of Tina Turner. The word legend is sometimes overused when it comes to musical talent. However, when it came to legend, you couldn't get more of a legend than Anna Mae Bullock, professionally known as Tina Turner. She left us today at the age of 83 in Switzerland. And we are so indebted for the many musical treasures that she gave us. Anna Mae Bullock, may you rest in peace. But thank you for leaving us a treasure of memorable hits. For the Rebel Alliance News and KPFK, I'm Pedro Baez. She left us with some good music. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to have to go home and add some things to my playlist. All right. Well, I'm Angela Birdsaga. Here is your Rebel Alliance Community Calendar. What it is, KPFK. Find out what proactive steps parents, caregivers, and community allies can take to ensure wellness and joy for black queer youth and how to mobilize against attacks. Join the Women's Leadership Project for the Black Queer Generations, a family, parent, and caregiver panel on supporting Black LGBTQ plus youth. Thursday, May 25th, 6.30 p.m. Eastern, 3.30 p.m. Pacific Time on Zoom. For more information, visit womensleadershipla.org. Save the date for the Legacy of Slavery an exciting and empowering multimedia arts exhibition confronting the trauma from the transatlantic slave trade. Featuring real slave artifacts, black visual artists, live performances, speakers, drumming, and much more during Juneteenth weekend, June 16th to the 18th at ArtShare LA, 801 East 4th Place in the Arts District in downtown Los Angeles. Check out LegacyOfSlavery.com for updates. African Liberation Day 2023, Saturday, May 27th, 1 p.m. in Lafayette Square Park in Baltimore, Maryland. And this year's theme is Smash Neocolonialism. African people are ready for revolution. There will be an international discussion on Thursday, May 25th. For info about the festivities, culture, presentations, and more, go to blackallianceforpeace.com. Tune in for the new KPFK show, Root 
work with Tande Sizwe Shimaranga Thursday, 7 a.m. This Thursday, Shimaranga, in honor of African Liberation Day, will hear from ancestor Kwame Ture, formerly Stokely Carmichael, on why a debt is owed to the people of Haiti. Tande Sizwe will also speak with the author of the new biography of the Shakur family. Catch Root Work Thursdays, 7 a.m. on KPFK. As mentioned earlier in today's broadcast, check out Range Projects Gallery's exhibit, AWOL, Absent from One's Post Without Intent to Desert, with artist Joan Roby, whose body of work reflects a 20-year journey in response to her mother's Alzheimer's disease. This mixed-media exhibit runs down until June 3rd on Saturdays and Sundays, 1 to 4 at Range Projects Gallery, 3718 West Lawson Avenue, in Los Angeles. The closing reception is Saturday, June 3rd, 6 to 9 p.m., featuring a musical performance, Memory of the Muse, with an original song written for Joan's mother, accompanied by two spoken word pieces at 7 p.m., along with a Q&A with Southern California Alzheimer's Association. Call 323-528-6839 for more details or email rangeonslawson at gmail.com. Julia Smith is the curator. Come out and support Union Strike Back Rally and Dance Party Friday, May 26, 4 to 7 p.m. at 12th Street and Figueroa Boulevard in downtown Los Angeles. Also check out the new KPFK podcast, Working Voices, on Fridays, 10 a.m., which focuses on issues and concerns of working people in the labor movement, including living wages, occupational health and safety, economic inequality, ending race and gender discrimination, wage theft, also solidarity, unity, and organizing the unorganized. Working Voices, Fridays, 10 a.m. on KPFK. Join Black Women for Wellness for week four of the five-week mental health series, exploring somatics and physical activities to reduce stress and to promote overall well-being. Next Wednesday, May 31st, 6 to 8 p.m. on Zoom. Also, current and former foster youth and transitional age youth could qualify for tax refunds, even if you do not have any income. To make a free tax filing appointment with a certified VITA volunteer now until October 1st, 2023. So to get that appointment and for information about Black Women for Wellness or to RSVP for these free events, go to BWWLA.org. Los Angeles Urban Policy Roundtable President Earl Afari Hutchison and other civil rights leaders will meet up on Thursday, May 25th at the Black Lives Matter mural at Jefferson and 10th Avenue in Los Angeles, marking the third anniversary of the George Floyd murder with a moment of silence and remembrance and a new call for police reforms in Los Angeles and nationally. And that includes a total ban on the chokehold. You can catch Dr. Hutchison on the Earl Afari Hutchison Show, Saturdays at 9 a.m. on KPFK. Well, that's our calendar for, for this week. And we got a lot of things up there for you guys for Memorial Day. 
weekend. I'm Angela Birdsong with More Than a Sparrow Productions. You've been listening to KPFK Rebel Alliance News, where KPFK is a progressive media outlet challenging corporate media perspectives and providing a voice to voiceless communities. Remember, you can still become a KPFK member. Go to kpfk.org and follow the prompts to donate. Well, thanks to our engineer, Wendell Handy, and his side apprentice, William Owens, and all Rebel Alliance News contributors. We hope you will join us again tomorrow at 6 p.m. Until then, let all that you do be done with love. Have a great evening, Los Angeles. Coming up next is Feminist Magazine.